What up fuckers and welcome to the One Up Pod, your favourite video gaming podcast, and soon to be your third favourite true crime podcast. So keep listening to find out the identity of the killer. So I'm, I'm trying to bump engagement for the rest of the episode, so hopefully <laughs> listener retention will improve. Amazing. It's it's actually pretty good, but you know, there's a couple of people that dip off at some point, maybe during the intro for some reason. Anyway. <laughs> Despite all that nonsense, thank you for sticking around. <laughs> I'm Andy, and I'm your host for this month. Bash and Becky are both taking this episode off because apparently they didn't want to do this. Or, <laughs> no, that sounds impolite. They just didn't have enough to talk about, I guess. But never fear, instead, I'm joined by all three of our new recruits. Welcome, Ben. Hello. Orange. Hello. And Foxy. G'day, g'day. Oh, a new one again. I was keeping us on our toes. It's going to be a new one every time. (laughs) Oh, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Okay, I take it back. You do get to take time off if you want to, so you can, you know, you can always take a break if you don't have an intro set up. I'll learn another language. (laughs) You've got time. Just get a little notepad and start jotting down ideas. Anyway, I I do think it's kind of insane that Bash and Becky trusted me to take care of the uh, the new generation, but we'll see how it goes. If we're not back, you know why. (laughs) (laughs) I will apologize to Bash and Becky. So, we're gathered here today to talk all about movie tie-ins and TV tie-ins. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing. Everything that traffic will allow. Nowhere could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing that extra bow. Before we get started, let's actually take some time to check in and see how we're all doing. And more importantly, how... I always do the more importantly bit, and that always sounds really insensitive. Okay, I'll do that again. It's not even written down, I don't know why I keep saying that. It's like a staple for you, I think that would be on a t-shirt. How are you, but more importantly, what are you playing? I don't care how you're doing, tell me about your games. (laughs) So... Foxy, how about you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit chip on this one in the Assassin's Creed vein and tell you that I'm just still playing the same thing as I was last time. I'm still playing Divinity Original Sin 2. And I got to say, I was enjoying it before, but now I'm really enjoying it because I became a master engineer and I fixed my switch controller yay no longer drifts oh my god it's life-changing honestly (laughs) there are there are certain there are certain functions in that game that you literally cannot use if if a stick is moving slightly so i've Mm. just never been able to use things like oh i don't know toggling between enemies oh god (laughs) it's yeah it seems nice and straightforward thing to be able to just go right i want to target that guy over there but no uh, before now, I was just kind of letting it sort of slide towards them, letting the cursor just sort of drift over to them and trying to like rotate the screen so that the drift went in the correct direction. That sounds like way too much effort. Oh, oh God. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't fix this sooner. Because, yeah, you'd sometimes be like, haha, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire an arrow at this guy. And then you'd accidentally click next to them and just like walk over to them. <laughs> so, yes, it's kind of turned my life upside down now that I can actually properly play stuff and it's much more pleasurable and aside from that i've also just started but have not got very far into is it pronounced gris oh we'll go with that yeah i don't know gris i think it's gree but i've been calling it gris for years until someone went have you played gree and then i was like is that how you say it (laughs) 
hyacinth bouquet kind of nonsense. This. Yeah, it's like Hermione <laughs> all over again. You know, who read the books and said Hermione throughout the whole time? That was me. Hi. <laughs> well, agree. Which I think, I think that sounds. I think that sounds better. Is lovely. I, I'm really not very far into it, so I I don't have anything useful to to say about it. Just that I I'm really liking the very kind of minimalist imagery and and it just seems very relaxing and i've injected my first bit of color into the world oh uh, yeah i think the i think the whole point of it i think well from what i've gathered so far is to kind of bring all the color back into the world and yeah it's lovely i think i'll i'll play some more of that tomorrow actually please tell me what you think of it when you're finished because it's it's a game that i love dearly and the soundtrack is on my spotify <laughs> comfortably <laughs> Well, I think you were the reason that I got it. Yeah. I think I'd asked people, you know. Yeah, was what, it what in the sale? It was in the sale, yes. Yes. Um, and I was like, ooh, I spy I spy Gree in that list. I think I think you should pick that one up. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Did did you say I spy Gree or did you say I spy Gris? <laughs> I don't know what I said. <laughs> I probably said both and then panicked and was like, that game that's pretty and nice. Pick that one. Well, sold. <laughs> Anyway, that's me. That's Gree. <laughs> ben, you you popped in with a very witty remark there. <laughs> Why don't you go next? The, you know, every now and again. I'm doing all right. I got really sunburned at the cricket last week oh, no. in, Man- in Manchester because, you know, it was raining when we went to the cricket. I was like, I don't need sunscreen. This is Manchester. So that's I'm doing all right. That's been annoying. But more importantly... God damn it. <laughs> Not that much, to be honest. I've been dipping in and out of Dredge and Tears of the Kingdom, but like barely playing them. I think the thing I've played the most last couple of weeks is Civ 6. Oh, yeah. So I've just convinced my sister to get the anthology upgrade for a PlayStation game. So she's got all the DLC now. So she just keeps like inviting me around for tea and saying, like, <laughs> Do you want to play a game of Civ? And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, just playing Civ, not really winning, because we never finish the games. <laughs> and then we just want to start a new game the next day. And I've discovered that I'd be a terrible leader, because even though I'm extremely, I'm a, very much a pacifist, if anyone gives me any shit in that game, I just go to war with them. <laughs> Cleopatra denounced me for one thing, and I just made it my whole mission to wipe her out of the game. <laughs> oh my god. Can't judge, yeah. I've done the same thing. Yeah, Gandhi's the same. Gandhi's always giving me shit. He's always going on about peace and then he just starts slagging me off for my lack of religion. So he gets wiped out. You're like, who do you think you're talking to? Yeah, just like, you know, I'm sending trade routes to you. I'm, you know, I'm being friendly and just out of nowhere, he's just like, you're a disgrace. In those circumstances, it feels ethically right to destroy Gandhi. Yeah, when provoked, (laughs) I can be very aggressive on that game. But yeah, just lots of Civ and trying to stay indoors because of the sunburn so people don't people don't see some some lobster walking around manchester oh. but yeah just just sieve really that's a good choice though love some sid sid sieve <laughs> i've been playing final fantasy 16 so i'm thinking about sexy sid a lot <laughs> sid sid, sid. <laughs> yeah orange what about you how are you doing uh i'm doing good yeah i just booked a holiday so i'm feeling great woo but more importantly, what I've been playing. God damn it! Stop, stop, stop bringing this up. I was going to cut that bit out. I've been playing Star Wars Jedi Survivor. 
Oh, nice. Because I absolutely loved Fallen Order. I thought it was a fantastic game. So I was a day one buyer of Jedi Survivor because I was very excited for more of Cal Kestis' journey. And, you know, I love Star Wars and... <laughs> I don't know why I said it like Star Wars? Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I love Star Wars as a franchise anyway so being a jedi is just awesome you know who doesn't want to run around the galaxy with a lightsaber and little bd one on your shoulder and everything i will say i'm not loving it as much as i love fallen order at the moment it is buggy and i have had it break on me twice i think where Hmm. i had some sort of bug and i just couldn't get past it i had to restart the game not like from the beginning but i had to reset and then the second time it happened to me, it, Reset didn't fix it either. I had to go to Reddit and be like, hello, I'm on this bit. Is there a way around it or am I screwed? And thankfully someone on Reddit had a, it was like, it's, it's like a puzzle where you have to move an orb with your force pull. But if you- I think I know which one you're on about. Yeah. yeah, there's one which is just really bugged where if you don't do it in a certain way, it gets locked. So if you force pull it, it just does nothing. It does nothing. You can't move the ball. And I was like, oh my god, why is it not working? But apparently there was a way around it. You just have to do something in a certain order, very specific order, and then it won't lock. And I was like, oh, thank god for that. I really don't want to start again. Because I'd been playing it for probably about 20 hours by this point with lots of exploring and stuff, and I just did not want to reset. So... It is annoying that that's there. I do feel like this could be a case of, hey, a little more time in the oven and maybe this wouldn't have been so bad. And I, because I'm playing it on PS5, I have noticed it is a bit laggy in some areas as well. I'm not a big person who really is that bothered about frames. Like, I know there are some people who are like, it dipped to 50 frames and I was unhappy. I'm like, yeah. As long as it's not a slideshow, it's fine, you know. Or if it's, you're in like a boss fight and the game pretty much freezes and then you die, that's annoying. But it's like, there are some areas on, I think it's Kobo, where if you go to certain wide open spaces, it's clear the game is struggling to load everything. So it clips quite a bit and I was just like, oh, oh, oh dear. <laughs> it's noticeable frame droppage, but it's not the end of the world, but it is a little ir- irritating, I will say. Especially for a game that's, you know, the PS5 is not near the end of its life cycle. So you would expect games to be functioning pretty well that are made for the PS5. And it's like, oh, that's not a good sign. But other than that, the story is good. It is a still definitely more of Fallen Order. It's just, it's a little bit more buggy and glitchy than I remember Fallen Order being. But I am enjoying it. I think I'm just over halfway through the story now. So it's it's getting going. But to completely change gears, the other game that I have been addicted to for probably a couple of months now and absolutely obsessed with is Power Wash Simulator. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I picked this game up as a joke because I had just finished the Tomb Raider franchise, playing through all of the Tomb Raider games, and I was looking for something to do as part of my Tomb Raider party stream. And someone said to me, oh, did you know that Power Wash Simulator have free DLC, which is Tomb Raider levels? And I was just like, well, that's perfect. I can talk about Tomb Raider while doing this Power Wash Simulator levels. And I got obsessed. I did all of the Tomb Raider levels and then went, damn, I'm playing main game. This is amazing. (laughs) I love this. And it's become my go-to game for streams in particular, 
when I just don't want to do anything else or I've had a really long day or really tired and I just want something really easy. And it was really nice throughout the summer as well, because I know we're still in the summer, but it's cold again now. So, (laughs) But throughout those really hot weeks that we had in June, it was a really nice game to play because I was like, I can pretend that I'm being hit by the backlash of this water and it's nice and cooling. (laughs) (laughs) Which It kind of worked, I guess. But yeah, I was playing it a lot because again, melted brain. I didn't want to play anything else, so... Power Wash Simulator has been my go-to. I've nearly finished the campaign. It's like a 35-hour campaign, but I've nearly finished it, and I'm sad that I'm coming to the end of it because I'm like, no, I don't want it to stop. Keep making more DLC, everyone. I know they've just done a SpongeBob one, which you do have to buy, which I'm a little bitter about, but maybe I will because I love it so much, and I have been playing it on Game Pass, so I haven't actually given them any money yet. So maybe I should, as a sign of respect that I like the game. Honestly, I can't describe how much that I used to be just sitting at work on my computer and the feeling I used to get when my computer used to ding and say that Chip was playing Power Wash. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I used to watch Chip's Power Streams as well. So good. Even just watching somebody washing stuff. Yeah. Very, yeah, soothing. It's, it's strange. I've had multiple people now in in my twitch chat who have come to one of the power wash streams and just gone wow this is really relaxing to watch and i'm like i know isn't it it's like it doesn't you don't think it would be it's literally someone just blasting water at a building or a car or something but it's really satisfying (laughs) yeah and i think one of the nice things that they do in the game is they don't have any music so you can put any music that you want on in the background and it just seems to work. Like I've found, obviously, because I'm streaming it, I've been using a lot of royalty-free lo-fi mixes yeah. and stuff. But every time I put one on, <laughs> people are always saying, oh, the music's really good at this game. And I was just like, this isn't in the game. <laughs> this is just <laughs> music. You could put on whatever music you wanted if you want. You can have the Barbie soundtrack. You can listen to System of a Down. It doesn't matter. You can listen to whatever you want. I think that's a really nice decision that they made is the fact that it's, they, they've, I think the developers actually said they wanted you to have the freedom to listen to whatever you wanted. You could listen to a podcast like this one while you're doing it. Please do. But that's, that's about it. I've got some indie games, but I'll be talking about them on the indie podcast. Plug. Good plug, plug, plug. Yeah, <laughs> please listen to all of our stuff. Thank you. So as for myself, I've been playing a lot of stuff. Obviously, I said I've been playing Final Fantasy sixteen. Not very far into that, but really enjoying it. Been playing some games that I will be addressing on future video game deathmatch episodes, which I will keep secret for now. Ooh. But there's one, there's one game I've been playing. It just came across my path completely at random, and it just happened to fit the theme of this episode. And I thought, there's no way I don't know what this film is, but I want to play this game. It sounds fucking stupid, <laughs> just because I want to talk about it. And so Becky and Bash were quite lucky by dodging this bullet because they once they heard about what game I was playing, they said, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So it's a movie tie-in. It's a PS2 game called Torrente Free, The Protector. It's based on a Spanish-language black comedy of the same name. And it's very strange. So the opening stage, you're fighting terrorists trying to take over a plane and you're throwing forks at them just like to kill them. And like halfway through this stage, the game stops and says, you need to take a shit. Find a nearest bathroom. <laughs> and I go, 
oh, okay. <laughs> so I run, <laughs> run to the first bathroom I see. There's two people having sex on the in, in the no, bathroom. Of course, of course. While the terrorist mm-hmm. takeover is happening, so I have to find another bathroom. I get in there, and it tells me bathrooms are where you can piss, shit, or jerk off. And I went, okay, thank you for that. <laughs> I had to do a shitting mini game where I was shaking the thumbsticks around trying to squeeze out a turd. And you have to expel all the turd in your body before you can continue playing. And I was like, okay, it took me about five minutes to master the turd mini game. I kept trying it. Oh my God. I tried the pissing mini game. It's very difficult. You've got to aim the piss into the bowl and that's apparently impossible for a a man on a plane. <laughs> I was like, okay, so so that that's fine. I'll go finish this level. And then when I carried on playing the game, the shit just kept coming back. It was a mechanic in the game. If you the more you play the game, the more shit starts to build up inside you and you need to find a toilet. So if you don't, you will shit yourself in public. That's that's the like those are the stakes of this game. You need to have a shit. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's I mean that's quite what's... something. What's the consequence for shitting yourself? <laughs> you just shit yourself. There's a big stain on your pants. I don't know if it, there's any penalties incurred. It's just kind of embarrassing. <laughs> it's just you're riding around like it brags about it being like a photo, not photorealistic, but like a realistic recreation of Madrid. And you just do lots of tasks for people and help out your aging mother and beat people up and commit crimes and have shits. <laughs> it's like, okay, I... I I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm glad I did it because I got to talk about another weird game, which is one of the, it's just one of those things I have to do on the podcast every now and then. And now I've got to do it to all three of you at the same time. Just get it out of the way. <laughs> pull the pull the plaster off at once. It's like it's GTA good. with IBS. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why Bash and Becky wouldn't have wanted to do this. <laughs> all I did was send them one screenshot of what I was playing. They said, don't, I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> Was it the I shitting minigame? <laughs> it's a shitting minigame, yeah. <laughs> Should have sent them just a background shot of Madrid. <laughs> isn't there a shitting minigame in um, South Park? South Park, Stick yeah. Stick of Truth, there is, isn't there? You have to... Yeah. 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 It's at the start of the game as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta squeeze it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I just remember the thing I didn't want to remember. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. <laughs> You're welcome. But more importantly, Andy, how are you? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> so, on to the topic at hand. During year two, the OG one-up podders talked about video game adaptations, the movies and TV shows based on the games that we all love or hate. Now we're going to go look at the other side of the coin, movies and TV shows turning into video games. The licensed game is a tricky one to nail down, They were often stricken with limited development windows that required them to hit the market at the same time as the movie. This often resulted in things going horribly wrong, usually in direct correlation to how short the development window was. For example, E.T. the Extraterrestrial had a development window of less than two months, and that game's now synonymous with nearly wiping out the gaming industry. So... (laughs) So that's that's a bit of a gross simplification of what happened. If you want to hear a gross, comprehensive explanation of it all, listen to our 1983 market crash episode. Good episode. Yeah, good plug in as well. It's a good yeah. one too. Thank you. They're all good, but I I'm really keep like all them. the stuff in, lavishing the praise. <laughs> so, movie tie-ins on top of crushingly short and unrealistic development times, the immense difficulties of translating one medium's strengths to an entirely different medium 
often don't help matters. So making a good video game movie is tough, we all know that, but making a video game of a movie is equally as challenging. But with all that in mind, what are some of the best movie tie-ins that you've played? Foxy. I'm going to start with The Thing. Nice. Yes, I, I really, really like The Thing. So some gameplay issues aside, this was a really, really solid entry. It's a, it's a kind of a third-person action game where you show up after the events of the film. In the film, McCready and Childs blow everything to pieces and you're part of the team that goes in to investigate what happened. And the combat in it kind of acts like an inversion of how Alan Wake works. So in Alan Wake, you have to use your flashlight to burn away the shadows of the enemy and then you finish them off with a handgun or, or whatever. In this, enemies have to be weakened with kind of conventional gunfire and then they have to be finished off with a flamethrower to prevent them from coming back again. So it's, it's, it's neat and it kind of it fits the story. The big draw, though, is the squad-based mechanics in it. You can carry along a team of uh, three other people at a time who help you out, but they're affected by two separate systems that you have to manage. So one of them is a fear system. Lots of things in the environment can scare your squad mates. So walking into rooms that are absolutely splattered with blood, spending a lot of time in dark locations with no light sources, being able to hear the thing but not knowing where it is. And the more scared they become, the worse they get at particular tasks. So repairing things, shooting things, and you need to help manage their fear by getting out of scary situations or making sure they aren't low on ammo. Or you can give them adrenaline shots, which helps them temporarily. Because if they, if they end up shitting their pants, topical, <laughs> then they can attack you. They can just start blindly firing at the walls. Or, or yes, I'm serious, they can just die from a heart attack. Where they're just like, nope, I'm, I'm checking out. This is too scary. Blech. And the other system is a trust system. And this is the, the kind of really good bit where your teammates can start to distrust you because everyone understands how the thing works. They recognize that people can become infected, so they have different levels of trust that affect how likely they are to follow your orders or whether or not they turn on you. If they trust you completely, they'll join you in, in attacking one of the friendly people because they think, well, this guy knows what he's doing, you know. Trust goes down if you accidentally hit them during a fight, if you take away their weapons, things like that. There are a small number of blood test kits, like in the film, kind of scattered throughout the game, which you can use to prove that you or others are or, or are not the thing. And you've also got to kind of worry about how long you spend outside, because you can succumb to exposure. So there's a few things to juggle there. And I, I just have to give it really big props for the developers kind of sitting down with the movie and saying... What is it about this film? What are the key aspects that make it unique and memorable? Because it would have been really easy to just make an action game, shoot the gross looking thing and blow stuff up. But they recognized that the paranoia and the cold and the people turning on each other, that's the, that's the big draw for the movie. You know, just setting a game in yeah. the physical space that the film occupied, you can do more than that. You can make the theme part of the gameplay you can try and build like a system that reflects it and it doesn't always work if i'm honest in one or two locations it's kind of broken but it's kind of two steps away from greatness and it also serves as an actual sequel to the film and you, you find out what happened to both childs and mccready which is something that film people 
argue about a lot. And this one gives you a, a very clear cut. Well, here's what happened, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I, re I really like the thing. It's, yeah, I'd say it's not perfect, but definitely really ambitious. Yeah, I think the, the, only, the only point where it's really broken is that the infection system works by like every time they get hit by a thing, there's a small percentage chance they can become infected. Yeah. And you can test them and find out whether they are or not. But unfortunately, the game also has, because it's a narrative, there are certain scripted sequences where people have to become the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it is possible to test somebody and to confirm they're not the thing, but then for a scripted event to happen where they become the thing. It luckily doesn't happen too often, but it is, it, it's hard to get around when you've got to have a, a kind of fixed narrative as well but it also just it it really put the willies up me in, in some places you know sometimes you're just wandering down a corridor with your your three buddies and one of them just goes and just like tentacles start bursting out of them yeah but yeah good game did you have another one you want to bring up uh, i'm gonna say robocop one and robocop two on the atari st which Ooh. was my it was my first gaming system and oh god i miss that atari so much Robocop 1 was very good, but 2 really felt like something else. So they're, they're kind of side-scrolling platformers where you, you just fire your pistol and punch things, essentially. But the first game was quite, kind of quite bright and poppy colors. And, and the second one just had this kind of more muted color palette that was it, was... it felt like as close as you could get to a game feeling gritty back then. Mm. It's kind of hard on Atari level graphics to make something that feels gritty but it was a color palette that actually said this is a deliberate artistic choice to mirror the crime-ridden streets of detroit in the film instead of just you know oh it's costing us a lot of money so we went with fewer colors not that i knew what the crime-ridden streets of detroit looked like anyway this came out when i was about five i think but it just felt like a badass you just you stomp through these like really, really long, tall levels. And like you never run. You're always doing the Robocop walk. <laughs> and your pistol gets like more yeah. and more powerful as you, you pick up power-ups. And there are a ludicrous number of goons. It's essentially like that scene in Robocop where he assaults the warehouse. Where, you know, ton tons and tons of people are shooting at you. But you just kind of calmly stomp around just going like bang, bang, bang. <laughs> And yeah, there were some added challenges, like there were certain enemies that you had to arrest instead of shoot, and there were kind of jet-powered platforms that you could jump onto that you could then fly up to the next bit. The only real downside to the second game was that, like many games of that era, it was extremely difficult. Mm. Uh, I never completed it, not even close. But the, the first game, I think I did. But yeah, I remember really, really enjoying them. Fond memories. I remember playing Robocop on the Game Boy. The opening theme was very strange. The, the music in Robocop 2 especially was really, really good. Kind of top tier for that era for me. I do, I do like a good, a good Robocop game. They say it's a good power fantasy kind of thing, just blasting people to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> they, kind of, they kind of disappear in like a little... You know in Star Trek The Next Generation when the ship goes to warp? Yeah. And there's, and there's that little kind of almost diamond-shaped flash in the horizon when it disappears yeah well like every time you shoot a guy they disappear in that oh, that's kind of, the implications but, of that are kind of terrifying yeah aren't they like, where's he sending them <laughs> they just appear at thirty thousand feet somewhere <laughs> that's more brutal than the movie if you think about it just 
Just shoot them dead. That's all you need to do, Robocop. Come on. <laughs> Orange, what about you? I'm not going to start with what everyone's expecting me to start with <laughs> from the prior conversation before we started recording. I'm actually, I want to start with Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and give a sly poke mention to Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone as well, because I feel about them both about the same, but Chamber of Secrets, I wanted to put more attention on that one because I feel like it kind of took what was good about Philosopher's Stone and then made it better. Obviously, Harry Potter was massive when I was a kid. You know, I think the first one came out when I was, the the movie came out when I was 11. I was still definitely in child mindset of I'm going to play games based on things that I know and love, such as TV shows and movies. And those two games did a really good job at being really interesting games. But the the thing that's quite fascinating about them is they actually take a lot of cues from the books just as much as the movies. So it was like a kind of mishmash of both. And they were just really fun. Like there was lots of little mini games you do. You do the really easy little button combinations and things to learn spells, which you then use around the map. You know, you're exploring Hogwarts. Yes, okay, it's PS1 and blocky, but it's still Hogwarts, you know. We didn't know any different back then. But I just feel like they really captured the idea of magic. It just, it comes across really nicely. They're little puzzle platforming games and they just worked really well. The latter Harry Potter games, not so much, but I'm not going to talk about those. Um, (laughs) But those two in particular, I feel, were very good representations of the movies and the books and the franchise as a whole. And if you've never played them and you do like Harry Potter, you should, because they are fun. The first one is really short as well, so it won't take you very long to get through. It's not particularly hard. So perfect for Little Orange. (laughs) But then now I am going to talk about what you expect me to talk about. So... (laughs) For me, when I was a child, I had a SNES, but I didn't have Zelda, I didn't have Metroid, I didn't have Castlevania or Star Fox or any of those. No, I had Disney games because my parents bought games that they recognized and they were like, hey, our our daughter loves Aladdin, let's get her the game, you know, and The Lion King and all of them basically and i gotta say the disney snes games in particular i still play to this day um aladdin i've been able to get quite good at that i can actually beat it in about 45 minutes (laughs) um no (laughs) it's not the hardest game well i mean i don't think it is but then i got peachy to give it a go and she couldn't get past the first level so i was like oh if it is it just because i've become so good at it now i think it's really easy (laughs) Um, it's just muscle memory at this point. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, I know exactly where to jump. But they're basically colourful platformers. And when I was a child, that's what I wanted. I was a big Mario fan. I liked Donkey Kong as well. I liked colourful platformers. And the Disney games were colourful platformers that were set in a world that I recognised. They told the story of the game. They took a few liberties. Like, I think in Aladdin, there's some levels where the genie takes you inside the lamp. So you do some levels that are really like crazy platforming and it's just like, yeah, I remember that part of the movie. (laughs) And then there's another bit where Abu falls off the carpet into the desert. So you have to go down into the desert and find him. I remember that part of the movie. So they, they took some liberties here and there to like lengthen the game. But at the end of the day, they were really good fun and they are challenging, especially if you play like some of them are crazy hard. 
Beauty and the Beast is very difficult. The Jungle Book is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't <laughs> now, today, I cannot beat Car, the first boss. I just can't do it. I had to use the rewind function on the Switch to do it. I had to rewind it every time he hit me so that I could try and dodge it. I had to cheese my way through it to beat the <laughs> boss. I was like, this is ridiculous. This game was for kids. This is horrible. This is harder than freaking ghouls and ghosts, for God's sake. You know, it was ridiculous. And fun story for the Jungle Book. Back in the day of no internet to help you with what do I do? My dad got so distressed at how angry me and my sister were that we couldn't beat Car. He phoned the helpline on the box <laughs> to ask them what to do. And they said, just keep him in him with the bananas. <laughs> and he was like, but that's what we're doing. And they were like, keep doing it. <laughs> and he was like, angrily put the phone down. Like, that's not helpful. <laughs> it's what we're already doing. Should have gone on Games Master. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, the Disney games, I still think they're really good games. The Lion King is really good. And just to pull a few more SNES games in, so I'm not just talking about Disney. There was a couple of other platformers I loved, like Hook is really good. Again, I got really good at that game. But also the Star Wars games are great. The Super Star Wars games are really good. I've never beaten them because they're yeah. really hard. <laughs> Yeah, But they are great games. Again, they are really good platformers, really precision platformers, those ones. I remember I got stuck on the first level of every single one of them. <laughs> I put them one car in after the other. I was like, right, I'm going to play the first one. Got stuck on the sand level. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm going to play the second one. Stuck in the snow level. I'm going to play the third one. Stuck in another sand level. <laughs> I was just like, for God's sake. <laughs> But they, I remember them being really fun. And it was cool because I think you can play as different characters as well in each. That you can choose if you want to be Luke or you can be Han Solo. You know, you can. So you've got different combat styles based on who you choose. Because obviously you fight with a blaster more or you're using the lightsaber. But they are really, really fun platformers. Really challenging. So if you really love a challenging platformer, I still recommend those. The SNES era was basically the golden time, I think, I would say, for tie-ins for me. I never played those Star Wars ones. They're really good. I think you can get them. Yeah, you can get the collection on most consoles, I think. Yeah, and I think mm. they're on Steam as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm almost certain you can get it on the Switch. Like That seems like a no-brainer for the Switch. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I loved I, I loved Aladdin in particular. Of those you mentioned, I actually owned it on the Mega Drive and SNES. Yeah, I, I heard they were both different. They are different. Different enough for me. I'm going to have both of them. I don't remember which one I liked more, but I, I remember playing a lot of them. They're actually very different because the, the Sega one is made by, isn't that one made? I think that's made by Virgin Interactive. Virgin, yeah. Whereas SNES one, Capcom, Capcom made the SNES one. And I think it's the only one they did other than Mickey's Magical Quest or the Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse, whichever way it is, which is also a very good game. Most of the other Disney games were made by Virgin Interactive. So, yeah. But yeah, they are very good. They are very different, which I'm always just like, they're very different to everyone who says, oh, I've played both of them. I was like, no, you haven't. I bet you haven't, but you played one of them. <laughs> they re-released them in like a Disney package that you could get for all consoles. You could get the Lion King, Aladdin, and then later on they did an upgrade to it where you could get Aladdin from the SNES and the Jungle Book. So 
if you want to give any of those a go, you can get them on every platform in that collection and they're hard. So good luck. The Jungle Book. Try it and tell me if you can beat Car. Go on. Dare you. <laughs> Dares you. <laughs> you liars. <laughs> ben, how about you? Any favourites? Yeah, I was, when I was doing my research for this episode, I was struggling to find standout favourites. I know we were chatting before we started recording. I felt like when I started gaming, I missed out on a lot, especially like the SNES stuff. Like you, I, I had Aladdin on the Mega Drive, which I th- must have honestly been one of the first games I would have played. I just remember constantly getting stuck on the the level as you're trying to escape the cave when you're on the carpet. Yeah. Um, like dodging the lava, dodging the rocks, just never got past that. That's so good. I've also no I'm really annoyed while you were talking. I noticed I spelled Aladdin wrong on one of my notes. <laughs> just like just realized. But yeah, I think the ones that stuck out for me, obviously Star Wars games, there's like over a hundred at this point, so the the bound to have been some good ones. But the tie-in for episode three, Revenge of the Sith. That game, well, what you don't want to do with that game is what play it before you watch the movie. <laughs> for, because there's a lot of cutscenes from the movie, and that follows the movie pretty much 100%. So playing that game and completing it, because it's only a short game, the day before I watched that film was an interesting experience for a, a young Ben. But I think it made me like committed to the game. And one of the really great things about that game, because it was, it was an okay game, it just spoiled the movie... <laughs> <laughs> was it had a two-player mode where you could fight off so you could have like old ben kenobi fighting off against general grievous or like mace windu and there's like a 10 year old kid that was just everything that's all i wanted from a star wars game i wanted to just defeat everything really easily with a lightsaber and then just <laughs> fight against my friends in these fights which will never happen in the film so that that star wars game definitely and also i'd completely forgotten about this game until i was doing this research but the Mummy, the late 90s film, yes. had a game on PS1. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which I went back and like, Brendan Fraser is very much like Hagrid from PS1. Yes. It's like that. And it's not the same voice acting. And it is basically Tomb Raider, but yeah. with Brendan Fraser. But they have the Mummy score just in the background. And then you're running up to these little hieroglyphs and you've got your torch and you're shooting your little dual pistols. And they just captured the essence of that film so much even though it didn't really follow the film. And it is just a lot of running through dark mm. caves, being terrified if you're a child. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified. Yeah, I've kind of completely forgotten about that game. And just listening to the music and just watching it um, recently oh, brought, brought a lot of fun memories back. But yeah, PS1 games mainly. Apart from Aladdin, I, I didn't really play a lot of the Disney games. Toy Story 1 and 2. Mm being exceptions really fun like little sandbox games not dissimilar to super mario 64 really which they were probably copying off but they were really fun mm. and of course hercules yes comes to get i remember it was it must have been i must have only been about five or six and i'd gone to my first birthday party at primary school so my parents had dropped me off and the entire party me and my friend just sat at this girl's pc and just played hercules <laughs> Do you remember the full name of it? No. The game has the stupidest name. It's like Disney's Adventure Game featuring Hercules. That's what it's called. (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) Just like running along and punching rocks and Danny DeVito's just chirping up every now and again. It's it's so great. Was it? Um, Oh, damn! Get your sword! (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many times he'd say that when I got stuck, and I was like, shut up. <laughs> Just running around picking up his little Hercules branded energy drink, going, yes. Herculade. Herculade. <laughs> yeah. Such a um, good game. It's really hard, that game. I played it again yeah, recently, it's... and it's quite difficult. It's that weird, like, 2D kind of platformer with little bits of 3D, isn't mm, it? Mm. Where you can kind of, like, go in and out, and, yeah, it's... Oh, just Yeah, just remember that birthday party. I just sat there trying to beat the Hydra. Oh, God, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, <laughs> parents were pissed off when they picked me up. <laughs> Made no new friends. Hadn't given the girl a gift, but, you know, tell my dad all about Hercules, how we need to get it for PS1. But you had a great time. That's all that matters. Yeah, we had a great time. Me and Ryan. Oh. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Andy? I've got two picks here, and I've just realised, looking at the two that I've got written down, they're both based on Ridley Scott movies, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My first pick is Blade Runner. They're a big favourite of mine. I was always a big point-and-click nerd. Just as this game was coming out, I discovered Blade Runner. I think the director's cut was still pretty new at this point. The movie had started to get rehabilitated in the public eye and people were starting to look at it more fondly. It came at just the right time for me. I was like, oh, I'm really into this world. This is cool. I wish I could spend more time in it. And then, here you go. Here's Blade Runner. And thank you. It's not set in the story of the movie. It's kind of a parallel story, but weirdly very, very close visually to everything that happens in the movie. Your character basically looks like a knockoff Harrison Ford. You meet <laughs> every character from the movie basically there's a handful of new characters but it could be said that the game's a bit fan servicey but i feel like at the time that's probably fine because blade runner was still no one expected to get a game of blade runner at this level of polish or anything like that so it was exciting to have this game so by all means just pander to us fuck it it does the same sort of ideas as the thing where it incorporates ideas and themes from the movie into the gameplay there's these key little technological things you can do to help your investigation like studying digital surveillance footage which somehow has 3d renders of every scene and administering voigtkampf tests on people that you don't trust (laughs) there's this really good little ideas put in there but you could tell it was made by people that wanted to really explore this world to the fullest Mm. it's really compelling the other game is Alien Isolation. And again, it's it's not the movie not being adapted. It's like a sequel to the movie. So it's a continuation where you play it as Ripley's daughter. And I, I won't go into too much about this because I've written about this extensively on the website. I just needed to mention it because I, I did a list of ranking every Alien and Predator game from worst to best Ooh. and ranking video games based on horror movies. And Alien Isolation was number one for both lists. So for that list, for those two lists, I played 95 games spanning basically every console generation. And Alien Isolation was the best of all of them. Blimey. (laughs) I mean, it's a great game, but also there was a lot of very bad games on those lists. (laughs) But it was a standout by by a mile. Terrifying, though. Yeah, I, I really need to get back and play it. There was something wrong with the it was just running a bit slow on my on my xbox for some reason and that's why i gave up on it i do need to go back to it because when it was running well i was really enjoying it i have a fun story about that game so i haven't played it in full but when i went to an egx a few years ago well many years ago now 
and VR was just coming out, I queued up to demo VR and the demo that they gave me was Alien Isolation. Oh no. And <laughs> what you were supposed to do is you were supposed to see how long you could last and then on have your one turn and then when you were killed that you would then relinquish your seat to somebody else. Now, I queued for about an hour to an hour and a half to try this out and I died in like less than one minute. So I just started again. <laughs> and and the, the guy who was watching over me just went, did you die? And I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I just, I tried again. <laughs> but it was terrifying. I, it, I Like, wow. <laughs> I know playing it not VR will not be quite as bad. But there is something terrifying about physically turning your head to look down and there's just the sting thing through your stomach. And you're like, huh, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a new level of horrible. I didn't know I didn't want and now I do. <laughs> but yeah, it's a game I've always wanted to pick up. So high praise means that I probably will. I think I do have it. So I have no excuses, really. <laughs> Other than fear, it's a very valid reason not to want to play that game. Well, I'm not playing fair. in VR ever yeah. again, that's for sure. <laughs> no, that sounds horrible. And at the same time, pick up the old Alien vs. Predator as well. Yes. You can run up walls as an alien. <laughs> very dizzying, but very fun. Yeah. <laughs> you can run on the ceiling. <laughs> I just like popping people's heads up as the Predator shooting a spear at them. <laughs> Their head's getting stuck on a tree. It's like, that's going to scare the shit out of somebody when they find that. <laughs> Before you do the segue, we just need to give a shout out in Bash's behalf to A Bug's Life because I also played that recently after I rented it years ago and I bought it because I'm doing that thing now where I'm like, hey, I remember these games from my childhood. I want to buy them. And I bought A Bug's Life and I ended up playing it on stream, I think because Bash redeemed it because she clearly hates me and I'd forgotten how hard it was and I started playing it and I was like, this is hard. But it is very good. And it's one of those ones, again, that includes cutscenes like from the movie. And I think the biggest memory I have from my youth playing it is that whenever you game over, you just get the cutscene from the movie where Hopper's like, have you been playing all summer? You think this is a game? Well, guess what? You just lost. <laughs> it's like, that's the game over screen. And I was like, wow somebody just sat there and they just went oh my god we have the perfect clip from the movie that we can play <laughs> when you lose <laughs> you literally just like rib by hopper but yeah it is really good again it's another one of those classic 3d like platformers it's hard but it controls well and it's a lot of fun and yeah if you're a bugs like fan then i've never finished it but maybe one day i will but they go bash for you <laughs> i hope you're happy bash <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> <laughs> so menacing. <laughs> so moving on from all the good games, let's get into the bad and the ugly ones. So <laughs> what are some of the worst movie tie-ins that we've played? Let's start with Ben. This is going to be a short one for me because all the games I could remember were okay or I remember as being good. There were definitely some <laughs> Game Boy Advance movie tie-ins that I played that were not great. I think the tie-in for the second episode of Star Wars Attack of the Clones, that was dreadful. Even running around side-scrolling with a lightsaber, they made that they made that bad. Oh dear. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a good one. I mean, like I said, over a hundred Star Wars games, some of them are gonna be bad. That one that one was. 
like I said, most of the ones that I remember, and I think it's mainly because I didn't play too many. I I have pretty fond memories of. I had a Gargoyles. Does anyone remember that TV show? The, mm-hmm. the cartoon? Yep. I had a Gargoyles game on Game Boy, which I didn't like. I don't remember. <laughs> I think that was bad. But I, I was playing it on the Game Boy, so I was probably really young. So, it, you know, maybe, maybe I was just bad. <laughs> My experience has been pretty good with, with movie tie-ins. You lucky bastard. <laughs> lucky Ben. <laughs> so I'm yeah. hoping that everyone else has had a terrible experience. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. To make up for my, you know, okay, this is how the world works. I'm know. sure I'm sure we can accommodate you there. But yeah. Orange, how about you? Okay. Make Ben happy by being yeah. happy. <laughs> well, you know how I sung the praises of Disney? Okay. Disney let me down. So... I was still riding on the high of the SNES era, and I also had Hercules on the PS1, which was great. The Tarzan game that came out later was very good, too. However, there was a misstep in the fact that there was a game that came out for Mulan, and it was called Mulan Story Studio. Now, I was young, and I was expecting another Hercules game, but with Mulan, which would be really cool. That's not what they made. They made... A horrible mini game mess that isn't even you can't even ex- describe it. Oh, it's educational. No, it's not. It's just horrible. <laughs> the concept is the story of Mulan is written in some scrolls, magic scrolls, and Mushu somehow manages to break them. So you have to relive the story of Mulan in order to put the magic back in the scrolls. Do you get to do anything fun? No. You've got to do silly mini games that are nothing. They're just bad. And this is on the PS1 and everything plays out like a point and click. So you have to do it with your PS1 controller, (laughs) dragging things across the screen to give it to give people items and things. And I (laughs) actually watched a video of the game before this recording because I wanted to show Peachy just how bad it was and to remind myself how bad it is. And there's a mini game near the beginning where you have to give the grandmother the items, the three items that she gives to Mulan. Or the four, actually. And you've got like a choice of three different colours for each one. And if you give her the wrong one, she just angrily says, no, I want the red apple. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so you have to give her the red apple. But the the thing is, she's standing on one half of a very small picture and on the other half are all the items, and she tells you she's too busy to go and find them. Could you get them for find them for her? And Peachy just went, "They're literally there." And I was like, "I know, <laughs> they're within <laughs> arm's reach of her. She just doesn't want to pick them up for you." But that's just one. There's multiple other mini games in it that are all very similar, and it's just it's embarrassing in my opinion, when you can compare that Mulan got this treatment compared to like what Hercules and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, what they got to have. This is what Mulan got. Oh no. (laughs) Oh, I was so disappointed as a child. I was just like, oh, this is not what I wanted at all. That's so lazy. Yeah. Like they just didn't give a shit. Yeah, it was bad. Very bad. Another Another game that really stands out to me as, again, very similarly being incredibly disappointing to me. I'm a massive fan of the Avatar 
the last airbender series like it's one of my favorite animated shows ever as such i was incredibly excited when i saw that there was a ps2 game of the second series so it was like based off of the second series about the book earth and it's called the burning earth and i was just like ah oh, because i loved that series because toff was like my favorite character and I was, I saw the game and it was like 20 pounds and I had 20 pounds and I was really excited. So I bought it, I took it home and I I beat it in like two hours. And it wasn't even all of the series. It was like half of it, if that, because I basically got to a point, I think it's anyone who's seen Avatar, it's like the bit in the sand desert when he goes into the library, it stopped there. And I was just like, hang on, that's not, that's not all of the story. Where's the rest of the series? And it was like, oh, <laughs> well, I'm regretting spending my 20 pounds. I'm really sad now. I could have bought something probably much better than this. It was like, and it just wasn't very Aww. good. Like it was just very lazy again, very clunky, yeah, very short. And yet on the flip side of that, the Avatar games that I had on handheld consoles, they were actually pretty good. Like they were quite fun to play, but the one they brought out on the PS2 was just, no, <laughs> just no. It was just so short. And then it gave you some silly little versus mode where you, if, if you just played as Toph and you just learned a certain combo, you could just ruin anyone. So it was just not even fun. It was just easy. And I was just like, oh, well, that was that was a colossal waste of my money. And then I think I had one more. Oh, yeah. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of Dragon Ball Z games. There's like ridiculous amounts. But there is one that I think is so bad that it made me laugh. Insane amounts. It's called Dragon Ball Final Bout. And it's on the PS1. And my friend had it. And we spent multiple afternoons playing the game at her house trying to figure out how to unlock all of the characters also realizing it didn't have a proper save function so even if you did unlock all of the characters as soon as you turned it off you'd have to do it again <laughs> because we couldn't figure out how to do it and we just laughed at it a lot because for a game that's supposed to be about characters who move very fast a lot of the time if anyone's ever seen dragon ball z or played it which a lot of people probably have they are quite speedy in this game, this fighting game, if you are at one side of the screen and your opponent is at the other, and you're both human players, not AI, if you don't figure out how to speed towards the other and you have to walk, it is the slowest <laughs> walk you have ever seen. They take probably about, it probably takes about five minutes to cross the space if you are walking. It's ridiculous. And we just used to spend afternoons just laughing at the slowness of making child Goku stroll towards Vegeta in the middle of the screen and then just slapping each other because it was just so slow and clunky and just awful. And they, the AI always knew how to do like this particular move called a meteor smash, which should just ruin you. So if you didn't know how to do it or how to counteract it, that, that was the end. Because the AI would always do it every time especially the further in you got it was like they were programmed to just do that move and it was just like for god's sake i just can't i can't block it and i can't speed towards them because you have to do a certain combination to make the move quicker so i have to walk towards them and oh this, <laughs> this is just not fun it's just embarrassing 
compared to the Budokai series that came out on PS2, which was just really, really good. Yeah, Final Bout is just... Don't get that one. Get any other one if you want to play a Dragon Ball <laughs> fighting game. There's so many of them as yeah, well. Yeah, like... literally. There's newer ones that are really good, but do not get Final Bout on the PS1 unless you just want a bad day or you just want to laugh. Maybe have a drinking game out of it or something. And Foxy, what's made you unhappy in the world of movie tie-ins? Right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention two games here. One of them is a god-awful game. <laughs> and the other one isn't that bad, but has irritated me for the last 20 years. So I'm going to talk about it anyway. But anyway, the first one that is bad, it's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I am not talking about the quite good arcade game that you might have played, the light gun one that yeah. you might have played in a pub at some point. I'm talking about the Atari version. Um, well, oh, it, yes. a- Atari, Spectrum, Commodore. It is dreadful. <laughs> It consists of eight levels. The first level, you play as the T-800 versus the T-1000. You face each other down a corridor, and then, wait for it, you shuffle awkwardly towards each other. (laughs) You do a little shuffle dance. And if he shoots, you duck. And then you shuffle a bit closer. Tiny, (laughs) tiny steps. Teeny, tiny steps. Shuffle, shuffle. And then when you're close enough, you can kick or headbutt him until he falls down. It's shit (laughs) by the way you do that same level three times with a with a different backdrop depending on where in the film you are so that same one is three of the levels in this eight level game um there there yeah there are a couple of kind of inoffensive but boring chase sequences kind of top down scrolling ones one of them is the motorcycle chase through through the the flood barrier and the other one is the van chase versus the helicopter towards the end of the film. Both quite bad. And there are a couple of puzzle levels. Um, I kid you not, the puzzle level is repairing the metal tendons in your forearm by shuffling parts around so that your fingers work. <laughs> and it's timed for some oh, reason. No. Um, oh, yeah. Other- I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> The other one is one of those, you know, those shuffle tile puzzles mm. where you can like, you can move one square around at a time. Mm. It's a shuffle tile puzzle where you basically just have to make your fucked up robot face look right. <clears throat> now, I feel genuinely sorry for whoever had to play it on the Commodore because that version of the game has nine levels. <laughs> I had to look it up. The ninth level is a, a kind of side scrolling escape level where you play as Sarah Connor fighting her way out of the psych unit. Mm. And it, it involves you smacking what feels like 300 orderlies with a baton <laughs> and taking about 150 trips in an elevator. You just have to keep running down corridors and getting another elevator to a different floor until you eventually kind of work your way out of the building and you hit two types of orderly on your way out. I'm exaggerating the, the number of, of elevators there, but not by much. <laughs> Good God, that's a, that's a bad game. And to think, I, there was, there, quite often I played that and I couldn't even get past the first level. The bit where you shuffle awkwardly. <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks. Anyway. <laughs> oh no, come back to us. You're okay, you're safe now. This is all good to hear though from my point of view. <laughs> Thanks having a cup of tea and a lovely time. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? That one doesn't even annoy me as much as this next one. Oh no. So this is just my opportunity event it is not the worst movie tie i never made hmm. in some aspects it's actually all right 
but there is one small design decision in it that has irritated me all this time. And it is the the movie tie-in version of Minority Report. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what's the main conceit of the Minority Report universe? It's... Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was trying to remember the film. (laughs) Tom Cruise is in it. I remember now. Yes, that one. It's... The main conceit is you can't deliberately kill anyone. If you deliberately kill someone, it will be foreseen by the precogs. You will be named as the killer and the police will try to stop you. Mm. It's why all the weapons carried by the police are non-lethal. They've got those uh, six sticks and those kind of sonic shotguns. So anyway, it being the early 2000s, (laughs) uh, we were in what I will call gaming's look at how ragdoll physics era. Um, You know, ooh, wait until you see our ragdolls. So you can beat enemies unconscious. You can curb stomp them and chuck them around after they're unconscious as well, which, okay, fine. I can suspend disbelief. Maybe they survive that. The first level of the entire game starts much like the movie, with you bursting through a window into a room and chasing after a guy who was about to murder someone. Except in the game, you're like, ha it's me, John Anderton, the Tom Cruise guy, only due to legal reasons I look and sound like Clancy Brown. <laughs> there are two goons that you face straight away, and you can have a bit of fun in this office, kind of chucking them against bookshelves and through glass panels, you know, kind of testing out the kind of ragdoll stuff and going, ha cool, this is quite nice. I can throw them against a bookcase and the stuff will fall off and papers will fly around and all that sort of stuff. And you can throw them through the windows. Mm. Now, I may, have, I may have forgotten to mention this, but the first level takes place in a penthouse office of a skyscraper. You are minimum 20 floors off the ground. Now, in no universe is throwing an unconscious person out of a 20-story window not a murder. <laughs> like, no, nobody is buying that. You can't just be like, oh, I thought there was a giant bouncy castle at the bottom. No. If somebody is unconscious, or to be honest, even if they were conscious, and you throw them out of a window at the top of a skyscraper, you are deliberately killing them. They could have just said, the developers of this game, those windows are reinforced. Entirely reasonable for a skyscraper. To have really strong windows that you can't throw people through. But they didn't do that. <laughs> in a game based on the premise that it is impossible for anyone to get away with murder, they let you commit murder within 25 seconds of the game starting. Oh, God, I'm so annoyed again. I'm going to stop now. <laughs> but that's, that, that's my rant over. Minority Report. Bunch of bullshit. <laughs> That's fair. I had that game and I, I remember nothing about it. I think it's because I was given it for like Christmas and I didn't ask for it for Christmas. <laughs> so I was like, what is this shit? Oh no. So I'm not. This is one of those things I just played a couple, like, played enough for somebody to see that I was playing it so they weren't wasting their money and then I just threw it on a pile. But that does sound, no, that sounds, I'm quite glad I dodged that bullet <laughs> by being an entitled little prick. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I won't lie, like, it's fine. It's just a kind of standard third-person beat-em-up type thing. But mm-hmm. but no, the, the, the fact that you could very easily just murder an unconscious person in the first level, I was like, this doesn't make sense. It's, anyway. like, it's like the polar opposite of what you said 
we've got glowing praises of the thing where somebody actually sat down and looked at what made the thing good and <laughs> the things that were yeah. important about the thing in order to put into a game. Somebody did not do that with Minority <laughs> Report. <laughs> like, Have you what? seen this movie? No. <laughs> yeah, it's got well, I mean, they... Browning. Yeah. The, the, I was the... watching more of the worlds instead. I'm sorry. <laughs> this isn't Mission Impossible? Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like I think the... The thing is, is that they, they kind of get it because like there are no lethal weapons in the game and they make a point of saying that, that, you know, it's all non-lethal because <laughs> you, you can't murder people. You know, if they'd, if they'd set that first level, say at ground level, fine, but you're very clearly in a skyscraper. <laughs> I just... <laughs> They very quickly panned oh. outside and you just saw like a window washer. <laughs> it's like, there, he caught them. It's fine. <laughs> They're not dead. <laughs> it's all right, lads. I caught him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I've played a lot of very bad movie tie-ins over the years, especially recently when I started writing a lot of lists for oneuppod.com. This was all self-inflicted. I, no one made me play lots of bad video games, but <laughs> I just did it. The one that's just stuck in my head since I wrote this question was Bill and Ted's Excellent Video Game Adventure <laughs> for, the, for the NES or Nintendo Entertainment System from 1991. So the absolute rage I felt playing this game. When we did the Market Crash episode, I played a bit of E.T. Mm. and I recorded myself doing it and sent it to the guys to listen to. And they all said they were worried about me, like how, how angry I was getting <laughs> playing that game. It, that pales in comparison to how I felt playing this. Wow. It's just, first of all, the opening scene is entirely skippable. I thought conventional wisdom would be you press a button, you can skip to the next bit of dialogue because the dialogue was taking a long time to move along. So I thought I'll just press a button and skip. No, it just skips the entire intro. Oh. So it, you lose the entire basically tutorial oh. just with one button. Oh, no. And I was like, okay. Well, maybe it's not that bad. I'll just keep plowing through and see how I get on. <laughs> so you get the next screen. It's a series of different phone numbers attached to historical figures because obviously Bill and Ted ride around in a phone booth through time. Yeah. But the game expects you to not only memorize these phone numbers, but then input them into the phone so you can travel back in time. I looked at that and I thought, because it shows the full list of all the people you can visit. Well, I just assumed, because there was a list of options there, that it was going to be kind of like Mega Man, and you could choose where you went first, mix and match, and I thought, that's kind of cool. No, no. <laughs> they want you to go in a very specific order, otherwise nothing will happen. I dialed so many numbers, I got so many angry dial tones blaring back at me, until I realised I had to do one specific person first. What the fuck was the point in giving me all these lists if I'm only supposed to go one place? So I was like, okay, fine, let's just move on. I guess it's just trying to pad things out a bit. <laughs> Then I put in the right number, and then it makes you play a mini game where you have to dial the number again. <laughs> so there's this little reticle thing moving around the screen. There's all these different numbers connected by like timey wimey wires and stuff. And you have to hit the right numbers as the thing is moving past it. And you've got to be very precise in hitting the number, otherwise it just it bounces you back. It counts it as a miss. So I was like, this is getting fucking irritating. <laughs> Completely ate shit on the entire thing. Had to go back to the intro. Where this time I watched the entire thing and I got a bunch of time coins from Rufus. Like top, he topped up my time coins, basically, because I didn't realize every time you made a mistake, it used a time coin. 
this is what I learned. <laughs> so I got the time coins, went back, and then I realized I could just, if I just let it go automatically, it would get the right numbers. It cost me a time coin each time I got it wrong, but it'd get the right number if I just did nothing. <laughs> so I just did nothing. I had enough time coins quite comfortably to just fuck up my way to the next stage, basically. <laughs> I was like, why, why, why give me all these coins? Why make this so difficult? Why make me do this twice? This is so, f I was just getting really wound up at the fact that I had to do numbers twice and both times were really obtuse. What is this, math class? <laughs> yeah, it's so fucking, even with the full intro, it wasn't very clear what I was supposed to be doing each stage. So that didn't help matters. And then I thought, okay, I'm through all that stuff and now I can play the game. Things will hopefully get better, but it doesn't. <laughs> So you're supposed to track down all these different artifacts in the different time zones so it can help you locate the historical figure to take back with you to San Dimas. Uh, locals will give you clues on where to go to find these artifacts, but it's not entirely clear what you're supposed to be doing because they're giving you like east, west, north directions and the game is a weird sort of isometric view mm. and it's, no, it's not very clear which direction is supposed to be north <laughs> and what's supposed to be south. So I was just wandering aimlessly along these paths, trying to find things. The thing about the paths is, you've got to stick to the paths. It won't let you walk on the grass. You can't just cut across. You've got to go on the paths. But you can you can jump from one part of the path to another, but you better make sure you land on the right part of the path. Because if you hit the grass, you just start crashing constantly on the ground. And you it's just an absolute nightmare trying to get up. But sometimes, it decides you can't walk any further on this path, but you can walk on the grass. <laughs> it's so confusing. It keeps changing its mind on how it's supposed to be fucking working. And I was just going, why are you doing this to me? Why? This is so fucking stupid and annoying. And there's no game overs that will send you back to the start so you can at least gather yourself and try again. If you get caught by the town sheriff or whatever, they take you to prison and take a bit of gold off you. And then even if you've got no gold, they'll just put you in prison and you, know, you can walk <laughs> out again. <laughs> and you just walk out and you have to start looking again from you don't know where you are in relation to where you were it just i was like what are you what is this who fucking designed this game this is so confusing i wrote a list of every lgan game ranked and as soon as i played that game i had like about 15 other games still to play i just immediately put that at number one so <laughs> that that's very clearly going to be the worst <laughs> game on this list this is this terrible Honestly, if you put a gun to my head and asked me to talk about the worst game that I've ever played, I'd probably just tell you to pull the trigger so I didn't have to think about <laughs> Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure anymore. Oh no. It's, it's just so bad. It tested me. The Game Boy one is very good. It's just like a little platform game, like nice little simple single screen platform mm. game. Really nice. Play that. <laughs> Snap any copies of the Nintendo version you get. Just snap them above your knee or something. Just destroy them. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of video game preservation, apart from this case. Just get rid of it. Piracy's already covered the rest of it. <laughs> Just... Destroy all evidence the game existed. Yeah. It really, it really tickles me, the idea that somebody will listen to this podcast and they will listen to what you just said and think, God, I have to play this game. <laughs> I understand that because I would be that guy if I was listening to someone describe that. That sounds fucking terrible. I have to play it. Don't call me out like but... this. I'm not making a note. Shut up. <laughs> Can't be that bad, can yes, it? Yes, that's always the phrase. I have also dabbled in the E.T. game out of morbid curiosity 
And yes, for you to say this is worse than that. Now I am like, ooh, <laughs> really? I, I understand the impulse to do it because I do it all the time. I go, yeah, I hope this game's awful. <laughs> Normally, it's the more obvious blockbusters that get this big movie tie-in treatment, but there's sometimes really strange choices out there that end up getting a video game. I've played many of them. But what are some of the more surprising movies you've seen turn into a video game? Ben? So yeah, I thankfully managed to dodge that era where every movie seemed to get a video game. But yeah, someone I was talking about this before we started recording. One that really stuck out to me when I was doing my research for this was Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, which <laughs> yeah. was a film that I didn't know existed until this week. And I didn't know it had a game which involved you saving children as Michael Jackson with magical powers. <laughs> so, I, that, I mean, it, it's surprising to me that that got a game because I didn't know that was a film. It sounds like a very surprising premise for a game. Especially now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially now. Like, I don't know. This was before I was born, so I don't know. Maybe that was that was just the thing. But Napoleon Dynamite got a PSP game, which I found really surprising because that is not a film <laughs> that screamed video game adaption to me didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> you basically just play Napoleon doing lots of little mini games. Oh um, god, it looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it it seemed to capture the vibe of the film in that it looks like it's been very cheaply made. I don't know how to say that. Like it doesn't look like a huge amount of money's been spent on it, but it looks quite fun and I I kind of want to play it. <laughs> Because, you know, it's a Napoleon Dynamite video game. Like, it can't be that bad, as we've just said. <laughs> famous last words again. Yeah, famous last words. I'm going to end up just end ranting about this in a future episode. Yes, probably. you must play it now and you must tell us what you thought of it. Yeah, you've got to come back to this. Yep. The only PSP game I'll own will be Napoleon Dynamite. CX will probably charge me a fortune for it. You know, the joys of piracy. Yeah, I know. I might just happen to come across a copy of the game and I might be able to play it, you know. In a totally legitimate way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's not Nintendo, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'd never joke about pirate and Nintendo stuff. Yeah, I've only ever played Nintendo games officially. That is on record. So have I. They're coming. Yeah. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Foxy, what about you? I was trying to think of things that I'd played that I was quite surprised at. And I think... Yeah, probably the one I'll go with is, um, did anybody watch in the 90s a film called Virus? Yeah, oh god, that game, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, for, for those that aren't familiar, there was a film in the 90s that had Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Sutherland and the shit Baldwin brother, but not the shittest Baldwin brother. <laughs> and you know what? I It's one of those films where I think, well, Jamie Lee Curtis hates that film, thinks it's awful. I am quite fond of it. I think I think it deserves all of the the reviews it gets. But at the same time, it has some, some really, really good practical effects. I rented it loads on VHS. But yeah, I, ne I never expected it to get a, a video game adaptation. But yeah, it's, it is god-awful, to be fair. It's like instead of... In the film, they're on a, a boat, like a, a kind of research vessel that's been struck by electricity from space and it's been infected by a virus and basically the, the, the ship starts controlling all of the, the machinery in the ship and it can it kills off the, the crew and kind of fuses metal components to them and starts taking them over. And visually it's quite cool. 
But in the game, you're now in like a, I think a hotel or something, and you're a cop instead of a ship salvager. And it's dark and it's repetitive and it looks awful. It's, it plays kind of like Lara Croft just shooting guns at stuff forever, you know, with none of the kind of nice Lara Croft platforming <laughs> stuff. Just like if you just held down shoot in a Lara Croft game. So it, yeah, it has nothing to do with the film. It, I feel like it could have been a good adaptation if they went more down the route of something like Resident Evil. Hmm. That that would have like suited the tone a bit more. If you play it, there's nothing to really suggest what these things you're shooting at are, because most of the time you can't see them. You can kind of see their silhouette. It's quite dark, even when you catch a glimpse of them in a in a more well lit room. It's just kind of an awkward blob. I played that game recently. <laughs> For the every video game based on a horror movie list, it was a list of like seventy-eight games, and that was number seventy-four. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an insanely short game, but there's no checkpoints or save points. There's like it does that old-fashioned thing of you have to remember a code to access the levels if you want to get anywhere. Mm. And I immediately like there's no excuse for that on this this sort of game. No, fucking memory cards existed at this point. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm sure this was like, what, 99 or 2000 or something that came out? Yeah, and I think it... Yeah, 99. Yeah, I just... No, I mean, I've I've got all the forgiveness in the world for the film, but nah, that, that game does not deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> and Orange, what about you? Anything surprising you? So a few years ago, I decided to investigate movie tie-in games because I used to love them. And then somewhere along the lines, I drifted away. I know why. And I'll probably talk about that a little later for a different question. But as part of that, I spent a scary amount of time in CEX looking at PS2 games and just marvelling at what I could pick up as a tie-in game. And there was one that I bought, which I had to buy purely for the, the notion of why does this exist? And it's similar to what Foxy just was talking about. There is a The Great Escape game for the PS2 based on the movie The Great Escape. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, The Great Escape came out quite a while ago now. Um, somebody somewhere went, you know what we need for the PS2? We need a game based on The Great Escape that probably most people won't know what that is when they're buying games for the PS2. I have not played it, so I can't actually tell you if it's any good. But just the pure notion that I saw that on the shelf just made me go, why? <laughs> so I bought it <laughs> because I needed to know. I haven't played it yet. It is something I need to. But that was probably one of the more surprising i mean it makes sense in terms of a video game i could see the great escape it would work as a game but it why <laughs> there are so many now movies like the great escape that would have been much more modern and probably recognizable by the age group of people buying ps2 games but it was like no no we're gonna make the great escape you know that's definitely what we're doing at the when it would have come out i would not have known what that was I know what it is now because my parents would have got me to watch it or I would have seen it on TV as a rerun at some point. But that was pretty crazy. And the the other example that I've just thought of for the same reason, because I saw it on a shelf in CEX, 
I've seen this game played. I know it is absolutely abysmal. Why in the heck did Little Britain get a game? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Why did somebody God. think that was a good idea? And oh God, I don't want to play it. In fact, I saw a streamer play it. And as soon as she had her fill of it, she had, didn't finish the game. She played it for like 30 minutes. She snapped the disc on stream and just tossed it across the room. And I was like, <laughs> no, that, is, that is a fair. worthy reaction. It is bad. Just mini games with the characters from Little Britain that may have been funny once, but definitely have not aged well. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's just crass and just terrible, terrible mini games that by the sound of things, controls don't even work very well at all either. So I just, yeah, <laughs> that's something I don't think I was surprised when I first learned that they had made a game and I was less surprised when I saw how bad it was because I kind of expected that, I think. You know what really confuses me about the Great Escape thing? Mm. It's that I know for sure that the PlayStation had a chicken run game. Yes, yes, they do. Which is an adaptation of The Great Escape, mm. just set in a chicken coop, which seems a lot more PlayStation generation than a Great Escape <laughs> game. Chicken Run is a you good know. game, actually. It's pretty good. Yeah. The PS2 era was fucking free-for-all. Yeah. People were just grabbing licenses for everything because the PlayStation 2 was such a big console, everyone wanted to release a game for it. It didn't matter if it made sense. Yep. They just needed to release a game. <laughs> It's absolutely insane. But that is the strangest one I saw on, and I have it. I'm pretty sure I bought it. I must have done because I, I, I remember showing it to Peachy you... and just waving it in her face, going, "Why?" In the middle of CEX. <laughs> just like with Ben and Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, I need to, to play to... this game and bring it back to the, the group. <laughs> <laughs> I shall. I'll just stream it someday. Nice. <laughs> I've got two games that surprised me. One for bad reasons, and one for good reasons. The, hmm. the bad one would be Street Fighter the movie, which oh. I found very... It was very yeah. funny to me that they took a game, turned it into a movie, and then made a game based <laughs> on the movie. But even funnier is they didn't actually make a Street Fighter game. What they really did was make a Mortal Kombat clone for the Street Fighter movie. I was like, why? You've taken like the most iconic fighter game of all time, and you've tried to copy everything Mortal Kombat did instead. <laughs> Do you? I mean, I've seen Street Fighter the movie, so I know they don't particularly care about Street Fighter. But it's still surprising <laughs> that like Capcom still went along with this for the video game. It's just so many baffling creative choices. Digital actors, really fucking slow movements. <laughs> None of this stuff is what I associate with Street Fighter 2. But they're just, they thought people would spend money on that, gullible bastards. <laughs> the other one, the good kind of surprise is one of my favourite games, the one I, sh I could have mentioned earlier, but I'll bring it up here, was The Warriors mm. for the PlayStation 2. Uh. Both as a movie and a video game, just one of my absolute favourites. And the game was released like 26 years after the movie landed, and the movie, it landed with a light thud, even though I love it. it was It's a cult classic, but the whole thing with cult classics is there's a limited appeal there, mm. and they have, don't really penetrate broader culture. So it was really surprising to see this movie, this really strange little Walter Hill movie, basically given for the time, AAA treatment. Rockstar, they were already like one of the biggest developers in the world at that point, thanks to the GTA games. And they decided to take this and turn it into like a sandbox brawler. But it really works because the movie itself is structured very much like a beat-em-up. You're going from one neighborhood to the next, fighting dudes, 
moving on, try to get to the end, just worked perfectly. And Rockstar could have just adapted that and had a winner on their hands, but they decided to give the Warrior fans another unexpected win. Like, because we've obviously been waiting a lot. Well, I was very young still at the time. <laughs> I'd only recently seen the Warriors before this game came out. But I know my dad was a big fan of the Warriors, so he was really excited about this. The fact that they added prequel content, so you got to know the characters better, mm. and you got to understand the build-up to the events of the movie more. And they also expanded on moments within the film. It was a really nice way of broadening and deepening a movie that a lot of people loved, and just hopefully pulling some people into playing a really good beat-em-up and think, okay, I'll watch this movie. You wouldn't see it happen these days, especially not with a company as big as Rockstar. Because Rockstar don't make games anymore, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I may be alive when GTA 6 comes out. That's just, it's frustrating because Rockstar used to knock out games all the time. They were all bangers. And now it's like you have to wait a whole console generation to see a new one. I'm going to have to try the Warriors. It's a really good... I think there's a remaster out. Like, I don't know what systems it's on, but I've definitely bought a remaster at some point. Big fan of the Warriors. So as I said, the Warriors made a few creative additions to the source material. But what are some other games that have took some sizable liberties with their source material? Orange? Look at that segue. <laughs> Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing when it came to mind was E.T., the extraterrestrial interplanetary mission on the PlayStation 1. Yes, everybody. There is another mm. E.T. game Did not that, that exists in this world. <laughs> They had another go at it. Oh no. And oh, no. <laughs> it's not very good. But the reason <laughs> the reason why I saved it for this question is because I I haven't finished it because I don't like it. But <laughs> um, and I decided not to put myself through any more of it. The setting of the game is not Earth. It is on another planet. I don't know which one. I don't remember. With strange <laughs> alien creatures, and you just have to kind of navigate the planet. It's a 3D game and you just move around each map and you have to find, I think you have to find flowers and touch them so that they are blooming, but you have to constantly dodge different kinds of alien enemies and things. I'm pretty sure you can't attack them because, you know, E.T., he's not a fighter. So it's a lot of like dodging. When he runs, he puts his arms in the air and does this speedy run thing and it looks ridiculous, but... The reason why I think it drifts is because it's nothing to do with the movie. The only thing that makes it E.T. is the fact that E.T. is in it. <laughs> you are playing as E.T. The rest of it is just an alien planet with alien creatures that there's nothing to do with the film at all. And it's just not very good. It's just it's clunky and bad. But that was the one that came to mind immediately. I also... Maybe not a bad game. I also picked up Small Soldiers on the PS1. If anyone remembers that Ooh, movie. Yeah. Oh, that was oh, yeah. yeah? It was a really good movie. Yeah. I really like that film. I loved Small Soldiers, yeah. The yeah. game decided to rather than be based on the movie, which like the events of the movie, which is what I thought it was gonna be, kinda like how Toy Story did. You could have them as toys navigating like these large human rooms and areas and things. No, it's actually supposed to be based off of the lore of the toys so it's more like if you were playing the gorgonites where they're based from and you have to fight commandos in the caves and caverns and there's strange creatures that you have to find and save and runes and things that you need to activate and it's you know very much like that and each of the commandos that you meet are the different commandos from the movie and they've got slightly different attack and then your other gorgonites kind of work as like an assist 
So I think you play as his. Oh, it's Archer, isn't it? The main leader. Yeah, Archer. Yes. You play as him. Archer, leader of the Gorgonites. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, you play as no him. Emiss- emissary. Oh yeah, yeah, and then. <laughs> Oh, it's such a good movie. I need to watch it again. But all I can think of now is the kids' terrible 90s fringe. <laughs> He's got that awful fringe cut. Anyway, your the other Gorgonites are like assists. So they pop up and they help you out in the level, depending on what you need. It's a, It was a good game, actually, what I played of it. It was very fun. But it was not what I was expecting. I was like, oh, this is very different. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the movie. This is basically, again, I could imagine this being in the movie even that you could see them playing it as it being like oh these are the action figures based off of this you know it kind of felt like that so it was good but yeah very very different to what i expected and then i had one small mention because it takes a few liberties but not massively it's also a bit of a surprise that there's a video game for this at all that there is even multiple is even crazier home alone (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) so i played home alone when i was little and i was surprised when you went into the basement in the levels and you had to fight like different creatures like a giant rat for one and i was just like i don't remember a bit in home alone (laughs) when the main antagonist was actually a monster in the basement and not the robbers they're almost like an afterthought. You see them throughout the house as you descend into the basement in each sort of new level. But then each time you get to the basement, there's just like another creature for you to fight down there. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> this is different. Um, it's also not very good, but I <laughs> I enjoyed no. it when I played it when I was younger. But I was, I was terrified of the rat thing in the basement. This is not, again, what I was expecting. It's, I think it's got some really like horrible, menacing music as well, and it sort of freaked me out, but I thought that was an interesting choice that they made. That They clearly were like, we need some sort of boss fights, but it, it, can't, it can't be the robbers. It has to be something different every time. So let's just have some monsters in the basement for Kevin to attack with toys, which is also strange. But yeah, those were mine. Ben. Yeah, so I was going to say, I only had one for this, and Orange plucked it. It was Small oh, Soldiers. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. As you started talking about it, I was like, oh, damn, yes, Small Soldiers. And I'm just looking at my notes for it, and you, you basically covered what, what I was going to say. Like, it's nothing to do with no. the film whatsoever. It does have a really fun multiplayer mode that you could play, where one of you plays as Archer, the Gorgonite, and the other person plays as Tommy Lee Jones's character, what he calls it, Chip Hazard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you just run around shooting at each other. But yeah, all the other ones that I had are pretty loosely follow the film. But sm- yeah, Small Soldiers was the one that I was like, yeah, that's... If you hadn't watched the film and then you, you played that game and then watched the film, you'd be like, what the fuck <laughs> is this game about? It's a pretty solid mm, game, though. It was fun. All in all. I played a bit. Just, yeah. it could be called anything. It should have yeah. just had Small Soldiers and like just another title. Because mm. it, it really wasn't a movie tie-in. It's quite similar to like some other PS1 games, like Akaji and things like that. It's quite... It's quite similar in its style to sort of things like that. So it, it could easily have just been called anything. I, actually, I thought they'd go down like the Toy Story route and you're running around like the back gardens yeah. of the houses and then, yeah. you know, levels inside. But no, it's just running around dark temples getting shot at by Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I don't begrudge him for it, but it is odd. <laughs> it's odd. Well, Foxy, has Orange taken all of your selections <laughs> as well? sorry. <laughs> I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do have a couple, although... <sighs> One of them's going to seem odd in that it actually does, it sticks quite close to the source material, but it just never feels like it does. 
Yeah. So for that example, I'm, I'm using Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So it's remarkable how closely this does actually stick to the story of the film. But at no point does it actually feel like it, apart from maybe the opening. It was actually quite a good game to my young mind. I was young and, dare I say, easily impressed at the time. <laughs> and it's played from this kind of weird third-person perspective, but it's quite a steep, high angle. It's like over the top, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. it's you're very nearly top-down. I assume... It was just a way to cut down on draw distance or something. But yeah, it's, well, Dark Forces games came out before this. And you did get to use a lightsaber in those, but it was basically like swinging a bat <laughs> in any other game. You know, yeah. it was just a glowing bat that you hit people with. Actually, on that topic, if you get the chance, go and watch the cutscenes for Star Wars Dark Forces 2. They're all like real actors on green screens. And it's the absolute yeah. worst performances you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like Resident Evil 1 bad. But imagine if you could see the actors as well. They're fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, Phantom Menace was like the first time I played a game where it, it actually felt like you were getting to use Jedi powers and lightsabers properly. Like you could deflect blaster shots back at people. You could force push blasters and rockets back at enemies. And you could like shove droids against walls. It was It was glorious. Actually hitting people with it felt a bit nothingy, but but yeah, like I say, it, it follows the film, but you know, you, you get to relive all those iconic moments from the movie, like when Qui-Gon Jinn has to wander around Mos Espa for two hours looking for spare parts for Anakin's pod racer and getting lost. <laughs> like It's like, you know, yeah, yes, we went there in the movie, but this is not what the movie was, was it? I wasn't just getting lost around this town looking for parts. And then being like, oh, actually, to, to get this part, we'll have to repair your pod racer. Oh, cool. Can we just repair that here? No, no, you'll have to go find a part for that. I got lost for hours. It's not even that big of an area. But anyway, it's it's a bit ropey around the edges. There are some atrocious puzzle sections that you have to get to. But it did at least feel a bit more kind of lived in than other Star Wars games up until that point. What what are Jar Jar's people called again? Gungans. Gungans. Nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit where you're visiting the Gungans and you have to kind of jump between little ledges or logs or something. It's really stupid. Anyway, like I say, it's one of those ones where it technically follows the film, but yeah, all the time you're just like, no, this isn't the film, is it? <laughs> the other one that I was going to suggest is at least a little bit further removed. It's Starship Troopers, but it's Starship Troopers... Terran Ascendancy. There are there are like five or six Starship Troopers games that all have quite similar names, but this one was a kind of real-time strategy squad-based one. And it's just one of those games where I feel like technology had just not got to the stage where it had to get for you to do a Starship Troopers game. Everybody who yeah. watched Starship Troopers were like, I want a first or third person shooter with a hundred bugs on screen at once. And I'm trying to like stop them getting into that outpost that's what people wanted and yeah it just technology was not there yet so they had to make something like this um it's not to say i didn't really like it at the time it was released it was fine but it was just it was very simple missions and it did have a it did earn some certain cool points for you know when you got to use like nuke launchers and things but yeah it just it wasn't what you wanted from a starship troopers game but yeah they were the only ones i could really think of Actually, I should, to be honest, I should have gone with the Dark Forces games because it's not like they stick to anything from the movies. Mm. Does anybody know if the Dark Forces games are, are based on kind of extended universe stuff in Star Wars? It's or? part of the extended universe. It wasn't based on anything. There's all original stuff. I got lost on oh, okay. the first level well. of the first Dark Forces game. 
but I liked Dark Forces, but I definitely liked it when it moved into the Jedi Knight stuff, even though, like you say, it's just like you were swinging around a bat. But at the time, <laughs> that was that was enough. It was a nice yeah, bat. Cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> it was a really nice bat. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got two that come to mind. Again, it's a good one and a bad one. <laughs> the first one is Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher's Bay. Oh, yeah. So it's, Ooh, on the Xbox, yeah. Oh, it's good. It's, Definitely a case where the devs wisely chose to just not touch the source material. <laughs> like, so I know there's people that, that liked that movie, but I, I think a film critic described it as like an idiot's version of Dune. <laughs> they wouldn't make for a fun movie, and it didn't really make for a fun follow-up to Pitch Black, which I really enjoyed. I was one of the idiots, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, but I had no idea what was going on. So yeah, it was a really good game that it knew what people found compelling about Riddick when they first met him in Pitch Black. It's just this really cool, atmospheric, brutal, stealth-based game. Just It had all the things that you'd expect from a Riddick story, which is, funnily enough, nothing that Chronicles of Riddick had, really. <laughs> hey, we'll move on from Chronicles of Riddick. I, I just wanted to give that a shout-out, because it's been a while since I thought about it, and it popped in my head, and I thought, I really enjoyed that game when it came out. The bad one, however, is a computer game version of Psycho. Oh. <laughs> the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh, no. It was released in 1988 on the Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, and PC. It sees you playing a detective investigating a jewel robbery, and the prime suspect is Norman Bates. Because Norman Bates, infamous <laughs> jewel thief. <laughs> That's what the movie's famous for, you know. What? It's just, it feels like the people making this weren't really paying attention when they were watching the movie <laughs> clearly <laughs> i mean it, it doesn't, it doesn't it, feel like they watched the movie <laughs> yeah they they had someone describe it to them and the person that described it to them watched it a long time ago <laughs> i can't remember very much that famous shower scene and where <laughs> norman bates is hiding his jewelry <laughs> think they just watched the pink panther <laughs> yeah. Half, halfway through describing Psycho to them, they were like, oh shit, hang on, this is the Thomas Crown affair. <laughs> it's just an episode of Poirot. Don't tell anyone we bought the rights to this fucking movie. <laughs> it's a lousy game. Like, on my list of every game based on a horror movie, it was last. It was the worst <laughs> of the lot. It uses a text-based verb system, kind of like the old Police Quest games, but it required like pixel-perfect alignment for any of your inputs to pick up. So I I wouldn't be able to get through a door on my first attempt unless it was like wide open. It was, not, no. it was impossible to open a door. And sometimes you'd need to open the door pretty quickly because the developers decided that the psycho of the story was not enough for an antagonist in this game. So they added guard dogs and ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> You're just walking around this motel looking for a door that you can open. That was mostly my experience. And then a ghost or a dog would run at you. <laughs> Sometimes it would be Mrs. Bates. And if they caught you, you fell asleep. <laughs> you just fell asleep on the spot. And you'd wake up afterwards. They wouldn't even kick you out of the house. They just left you where you, you landed. you get up, carry on playing, and then they come back and get you and you fall asleep again. Passed out on the floor like the first casualty of a house party. And people would just like, we'll just leave him there. He's, he's, best, he's safest there, so we'll just leave him. It's just baffling. Like you said, I'm almost certain they bought the rights to Psycho and then they realised they hadn't seen Psycho <laughs> and the game was supposed to be coming out very soon. Like, well, fuck. Let's just guess. <laughs> or they like skim read the synopsis and they saw somebody 
had stolen something. But well, Norman Bates must have stolen something. <laughs> so I said, well, the ghosts, I don't know. Just stop pressuring me. We need this out now. It's a bad game and it's a baffling deviation from the source material. And I never want to think about it again. <laughs> Even though I forced myself to write about it again. I put myself through a lot of shit for this podcast. <laughs> no one asked me to. And sometimes just... Becky and Sasha specifically say, don't do that. <laughs> They're not here to stop me. <laughs> we'll just encourage it instead. <laughs> do it, yeah. Andy, do it. <laughs> you guys don't know any better. Like Becky and Bash can have a word with you in private. <laughs> Whatever they've got to say, they can say it in the open. It's a whole <laughs> podcast episode now that's going to be dedicated to Andy's poor gaming life choices. <laughs> <laughs> and unravelling psyche. Did kick off this episode talking about a game where he's just been going. That's true. Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no, one, no one tries to stop me. It's not. I need help. No one will argue with that. No, we're all silent. Do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. Hey, it's Andy. Real quick, recording something to slot in before the final segment. I missed an entire paragraph of notes that I made during recording. Because I'm such a generous host, I wanted to give our available recording time to my co-hosts. Or I just accidentally scrolled past them and didn't realise. You decide. There are several games that I felt warranted a special mention. Ones that I think actually managed to eclipse their movies in terms of cultural impact. First up is GoldenEye, which was a damn fine Bond film, no denying that. But the Nintendo 64 game legitimised the first-person shooter on consoles and paved the way for the Halo series to bring online gameplay to the non-PC crowd. To be clear, I mean people who don't own PCs, not racists. Next would be Dune 2, first released in 1992. It's a sequel to the video game adaptation of David Lynch's Much Maligned by Everybody Except My Partner, the movie adaptation of Frank Herbert's iconic sci-fi novel. The first Dune game was a graphic adventure, not bad at all, and it looked great, but Dune 2 basically cemented an emergent genre for the rest of gaming history, the real-time strategy game. It wasn't the first, but it was the first one to break out as a critically acclaimed hit. The real-time strategy is one of my favourite genres, so I would personally say that has more cultural value than David Lynch's worst movie. Again, sorry Caroline, I love you, and I promise I'm not going to bash Tron next. And finally, just a shout-out to Sweet Home, Capcom's horror RPG for the Nintendo, released in 1989. Only really hardcore history buffs remember this game, and it's entirely possible that even they don't remember that it's a movie tie-in. This game established the major tropes that would go on to be used in Resident Evil. Sweet Home's movie is pretty good, but it can't really compete with a game that serves as the blueprint for one of the biggest franchises in gaming history and helped birth the survival horror genre. Okay, that's me done. Back to you, past Andy. So that brings us to our big final question. With the drastically different game development windows and the ever-changing conditions of big-budget filmmaking, is there a place in the gaming industry for the movie tie-in today? Foxy, what do you think? You know, I've thought about it a bit, and I'm going to say yes. Yeah, Although I feel like they need to start branching out and just going back to going back to basics, going back to stuff that was released years ago and trying to bring it back. You know, you know what I was talking about with the... Uh, starship troopers where they were waiting for the technology to catch up but yeah there's there's a starship troopers like co-op shooter game out this year that i think came out in early access i don't know a month ago and that feels like the perfect time to do it however many years after 
the film came out. And yeah, I, I guess there's, there's a lot of crossover between different styles of media now, and it, it's all kind of getting closer and closer together. You know, you can you can watch films whilst inside a match on Fortnite. You know, stuff is blending together more. But I think you really just need to either do something where the, where the tech is justifying it, or just maybe we need more of those ones that just don't stick to the source material mm. and that just that just go off and, and make their own extended universe stuff mm. and, you know like i don't know about you guys but i i, I was trying to think the other day what would i play from like a, a movie that came out in the last however many years and i thought you know what was cool was how that channing tatum fella moved around in jupiter ascending <laughs> oh i thought you said magic mike <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he moves around pretty well. Now. Play a Magic Mike game. But you know where he had like the hover skate shoes and yeah. he kind of floated around on them while shooting his little blaster pistol and there was, you know, bees and things. <laughs> you know, just take some crazy properties and just say to them, look, we want to use the IP, but just let us go a bit nutty with it. I think with stuff getting more and more cinematic... Like a, a lot of these story-based games are getting a lot more cinematic. And you see the complaint a lot more now of why am I watching this TV show when the game already has what feels like a TV show built into the cutscenes through it. So yeah, maybe the maybe the solution to that is to just not have it follow that, have it follow slightly alongside that narrative, like what the Matrix games did where you followed Niobe and, and Ghost kind of yeah. concurrently with the with the timeline of the movie. Yeah, that's my two cents. Ben, what about you? In the complete opposite, um, I don't think there is a future. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think... Condemned I mean, you know, Yeah, just going back through history, like, developers didn't really have a lot of time to make these games anyway. But, you know, because of the technology, they, you know, managed to get stuff out. It just takes so long to make a game these days that... The more I thought about it, it just sounded like a really bad Black Mirror episode where, like, there are no movie tie-ins, but there are just tie-in events on Fortnite. And, (laughs) you know, Disney Dreamlight has a new DLC for their new film. That's all it is. And the film is just an extension of the whole brand. It's just like, go to watch the film so that you will then come and play our game forever. (laughs) That's what I feel like it's going. I hope it doesn't because it is really depressing that... I know Netflix has kind of started doing their own little gaming thing. Like, the only thing I could think of was they know they've got a series coming out. They can just greenlight a game and they put it on the platform. But I feel like the whole purpose of these things in the past was probably just to make money. So it's just like, bring it out with, you know, with the film. Or shortly after, it's all about Star Wars Episode Three before the film. (laughs) You know, it's all about that timing thing. And it's just, I just don't think it's feasible anymore. It, you know, games take too long. Look at how long it took to get an actual, like, Harry Potter game. <laughs> it's a time and a money thing as well. So, yeah, we're all just going to be movie times through Fortnite <laughs> and everything else like that, unfortunately. A Nicolas Cage and Dead by Daylight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that exact thing, you know, just just Nick, just not Nicolas Cage playing anyone, just Nicolas Cage. You it's know? not even in a horror uh, movie. I love that. <laughs> You know, that that's what it is. I think it's just DLC packs and in-game events, you know. Which is sad. I don't know. Sorry if I've just brought everyone oh, down ben. with my vision for the future. <laughs> Orange, can you save us? 
Well, <laughs> I kind of had a halfway between both of you, actually. So uh, I, I fucked oh, the order up here. Didn't I? <laughs> no, no, I, I can try and save you. I could have like Goldilocks this situation. <laughs> so this is something a game that I wanted to mention, which had a massive impact on me. As I mentioned before, when I was growing up, movie tie-ins seemed to be the thing that I was playing the most of. I didn't really have a very broad gaming horizon until something happened, and I played a game called Kingdom Hearts, which did a weird thing because it was a movie tie-in, but it's not at the same time because it's got lots of movies, lots of Disney movies. You notice a theme for me where you kind of play the story of each of the movies, just like a really short version of it when you go to each planet. But it's an overarching story that exists and ties the universe together. It's basically the Marvel multiverse before they even did it. So when I played that game, it like blew my mind and it kind of created this whole notion in me of like, huh, a game doesn't have to be about a movie, but it could add to a movie instead or branch off of a movie. And I think for the movie tie-in, I feel like that is the direction that they should be headed. And I think they kind of already are. I think Star Wars is one of the ones that definitely picked up on that first. But you know, you mentioned Hogwarts Legacy has done it. There's the new Avatar game that's coming out this year, the Frontiers of Pandora, Pandora Frontiers. There's Frontiers and there's Pandora. But I feel like movie tie-ins now, rather than basing a game entirely on a movie and basically being the movie again, I feel like a better direction now is to focus on a franchise and to create a story that exists within the same universe, but maybe its own story. Like the Jedi Survivor games, where it's part of the canon of the Star Wars universe, but it's its own story, its own character, which relates to other things that did happen in the, the movies. So, you know, if you've seen the movies, you know more. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is is working much better now. I feel like it's this kind of... I, I don't know about you guys, but when I've watched a movie, because we have so many video games and storytelling in video games has come so much further than just colourful characters platforming around now, we can tell really good narrative stories in video games now. And it's kind of like, I don't really need to see the same story played out again in just like a slightly different way with me pressing buttons as well. I'd rather them tell me a different story that relates to the story that I've seen on the big screen so that I can just get more of this world that I like. And I I kind of feel like that's where I'd want movie tie-ins to go now. And ever since playing Kingdom Hearts, I know it broke me. <laughs> it's like, you can't play tie-ins anymore because you want more now. You've had a taste of more and now you want more. And I was, I, yes, yes, I do. So I'd, I'd like to see tie-ins kind of go that way. Focus more on franchise building rather than an individual movie. So what you're saying is, is that you won't be happy until we get a game based within the universe of the 1993 Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Where is it? Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page here. Could you imagine no, a Mario multiverse movie and they had that in it? Not movie, like video game. Oh, and you... they had that in it. I was dead against this until you said a Mario multiverse, and I was just thinking of how creative they could be with all those different I mean, versions of Mario running they've around. They've done it with Sonic. Sonic had Sonic Generations, where you had a crossover between retro Sonic and more modern Sonic. 
So Ah, but where is human teeth, Sonic? <laughs> In the depths of the bin where he belongs. <laughs> Bring him back. He was in something, wasn't he? Wasn't he in the movie? Oh, he was in Chippendale. That's it. He was in the Chippendale. They made a reference to it, yeah. Oh, so yeah. he is going to be remembered. He has been saved and stapled yes. into cinema history, sadly. I think my answer is kind of, conveniently, it's turned out to be kind of a mishmash of what everyone else has said. <laughs> I would ideally like the way to go be kind of like what Foxy said, handle games that have I've already been. I've been out for a long, a while. I've been firmly established. Have an established audience. Like you know, it's all baked into culture by that point. So you've got a lot to work mm. with because no one's going to take risks on making a game to tie in a movie, and then the movie turns out to stink because that just drags down your game. Look at X Men Origins. Really, <laughs> really good game. The movie sucked so hard. Some people are just like, no, thank yeah. you. And there's also. But there's like constant issues of like licensing agreements. You can see how quickly things can get pulled. Like the recent Friday the Thirteenth game, it's a really enjoyable oh. game, but then the licensing dispute occurred and it became a lawsuit, and they had to just cut the game off at the nuts because they couldn't update it anymore because they weren't allowed to. But as Ben brought up as well, I I kind of think the future is already here with Fortnite events and skins and things like Dead by Daylight even Call of Duty Warzone, Mortal Kombat. Studios license out their properties to existing games so that they can just slot these characters into any kind of game they want. They don't have to put any of the work in. They don't have to think about how this character would work as a game on their own. Just shove him in Mortal Kombat, have him punch Kano in the face. That's, you know... <laughs> it's Out the box, yeah. It's disappointing. I feel like that it's safer for them, for developers and for the studios. I feel like they've... They've all found a happy little coexistence. No risk, lots of reward. There's gonna, there's established audiences there. Fortnite kids are going to want to get the new skins from the next superhero movie. People playing Warzone are going to want to play as Rambo or something. <laughs> and Dead by Daylight's always got some new horror icon showing up. They've got a core audience right there, and it's so little effort for them just to plug these movies into those places. It's disappointing, but I have bought several skins on Death by Daylight, <laughs> so I can't judge, really. I've, I've, I've helped contribute <laughs> to this horrible new culture we have. Damn you, Andy. It is what it is, unfortunately. I hope there's still place for some creative developers to start taking chances, again, with like older IP. There's, like, there's that new Robocop game coming out. I don't know how that's going to turn out, but... I hope people are still taking chances on established ideas. Like you say, well, Avatar seems a no-brainer for a game. You don't have to adapt the movie. People just want to go to that mm. world. Even if you're not going to get James Cameron's top-tier storytelling, you get Ubisoft <laughs> storytelling. But people will overlook that enough to buy the game. It's gonna be it's gonna be stuff that's safe bets and low-effort licensing shite. Or maybe, like you were saying in the in the, the villains episode. Maybe we just need to turn to indies <laughs> who yeah. who are just going to you know, change enough stuff that it's just about recognizable and then just rely on them for all the, the creativity. Yeah, if you do like cover <laughs> it with parody and you can do anything. You can make a really good Terminator game and just change all the names and stuff. I think we do have to kind of rely on people that are influenced by these movies to make good video games that are like those movies. But I don't think we can rely on the studios and the big AAA developers anymore, unfortunately. Bit of a downer. I'm sorry. 
it's, it's been up and down. It's a bit of a roller coaster this section. <laughs> I'm alright. Another Kingdom Hearts is coming out, so I'm happy. Oh shit, yeah, there yeah. Is. Oh. About that? I've only played one Kingdom Hearts game, Orange, and it's the second one on Game Boy Advance. What? Which I feel is, is the, the least Kingdom Hearts game. Is that Kingdom Hearts recoded? Uh, it's it's a chain of memories. It's like a card. Oh, game, that's the worst one. Oh, put that one away. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was alright. Kick right. it in Not the face. Of put them. it in the bin. <laughs> I've got the trilogy. Like I just haven't had time to play it yet. It's yeah. one of those things you want oh. to do. But I, I need to play the Yakuza games first in full, <laughs> and then I will move on to Kingdom Hearts or something. Well, the Kingdom Hearts are already talking about what universes are going to be in the fourth one. Like rumors of Star Wars and Marvel. Now that Disney own them, and it's like, oh my god. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's crazy. I have never played one. Don't expect to understand the storyline if you ever do jump into it. That's all I will say. It's not a meme. It's true. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> First game, total sense. Second game, why? Third game, I my head hurts. But it's fun. <laughs> I, I played it primarily for exploring Disney worlds from like an outsider perspective. And it's it's. It's good. It is fun in that respect. <laughs> More games like that. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Let's go. Multiverses. Yeah. Come on. Square Enix. Come on. Get off your ass. That's us done for another month. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please try some of our other content, including our side content like video game deathmatch, or the Indie Showcase. Follow or subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform and leave a review for us on Spotify Mobile or Apple Podcasts. Check out oneuppod.com for podcasts you read with your eyes. <laughs> or articles, as they're usually called. You can find me at Truly Underscore Defective at Elon Musk's Divorced Dad Emporium <laughs> and Truly Defective at on Blue Sky and Fred's, which I don't use, but I have. Uh, Orange, where can they find you? <laughs> Uh, you can find me primarily streaming over on Twitch under Orange and Peachy. My social medias are attached to my Twitch page because I'm lazy and I don't want to list them now. <laughs> That's where you'll find all of that. Good enough for me. <laughs> uh, ben, where are you? Duke of Benningham on all the social medias for now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> We've also got such a pessimistic view of social media right now. <laughs> yeah, for now. Foxy. Where are you at? I am at Digital Sneeze on X.com. Oh, fuck, um, I forgot about that. Is it that, actually yeah. changed now? Is it official? Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of changed. And I am Sneezing Fox on Instagram and Threads, which I'm, uh, yeah, again, not really on, but probably will be at some point soon. I don't know what Threads is. What is Threads? It's the uh, Instagram one. I thought Andy said Fred. As in, like, women F at first, and I was like, what's Fred's? And I was like, oh no, it's Threads. I, I go hang out with some guys called Fred, and I just... Yeah. <laughs> he pretends to it's be a lot a of fun. Friend. It's a lot better than Twitter right now. Yeah. They yeah. think you're called Fred as well, that's the thing. It's just a group yeah. of Freds and Andy. They didn't ask, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow the whole damn podcast on One Up Pod on Twitter. That is 1UPPOD, with 1D, just to be clear. <laughs> we will see you again real soon, and in the meantime... Get a life and play video games. Also, the killer was Becky all along. I knew it. Way. <laughs> of course it I was. All about it.